This episode of Super Pulp Science is brought to you by Canada's History Society, publisher of Canada's History Magazine, and Kayak, Canada's History Magazine for Kids. Go to canadashistory.ca. Attention, citizens, it's time for Super Pulp Science. Uh, welcome back to Super Pulp Science, where we talk about how genre gets made. Today, my long-suffering um, co-host, Justin Curry, and I have brought a very special guest to you from the woolly worlds of freelance lifestyles. You may, if you want to work in art as a job, as a freelancer, need to work with a person like James Gillespie. He is the art director. Hello, James. Greetings, gentlemen. <laughs> why don't you tell us a little bit what an art director does, James, and why we have to make always play nice with you? <laughs> well, my job is essentially, uh, well, I'll, I'll give you the, the rundown. I am the art director for Canada's History Society. I work on two different publications. I work for Canada's History Magazine and Kayak, Canada's History Magazine for Kids. Uh, as art director, uh, designer, <laughs> production designer, uh, and, and a variety of other hats that I wear there. Uh, my job is to hire uh, the artists to do the kind of work that is required for our magazine when we are unable to find historic art or historic photography to reinforce uh, particular stories. You are the not. gatekeeper. I am. <laughs> I am. I am the gatekeeper. I see what you're saying here. And the artists have the key. How many artists do you have to work with on a daily basis? On a daily basis right now... Uh, I'm only working with one at the moment, but that's because we just hit production deadline. Uh, prior to that, we were working with maybe another three artists for Kayak, which just went to press. So every day? Almost every day, yeah. Every day. Uh, it, it all depends. I mean, obviously, the uh, we try to stagger the deadlines because if you're working with three artists, specifically on Kayak, which is a little bit more intensive for the amount of artwork that we're looking to produce, uh, we... Uh, probably pay a little bit more for Canada's History magazine because it's a higher print run, it's a larger format magazine, and when we're looking to do that art, that has to appeal to uh, you know a much broader demographic and an older demographic, whereas Kayak is going to be generally, well, not generally, it will be cartoon-based, uh, and uh, in that capacity, when we're working with those three people, you don't want all your art to come in on the same day. I don't give my artists the same deadline because I want to be able to look at the art, assess it, and give proper feedback. And it's really hard when you have three pieces of art that have to do with three different historic eras or stories and to try and give them the kind of, uh, you know, uh, attention that they require. So in York, how many years have you worked at the magazine? It'll be eight years this May. Eight years. Maybe nine. Can you um, hazard a guess at the number of different artists you would have given creative direction to in that time? Mm. Um, probably 20 to 30. 20 to 30. 20 to 30. Regular. Yeah, it, yeah. The thing is, is that I, I seek, I don't cycle through them. You know, you try to find people and, and I'm... I have a very good okay, track. So yeah. I'm sensing something here. Aren't you seeing a pattern here that if you please the art director, they keep you around. They keep you around. Mm-hmm. 100 well exactly. <laughs> so how how do we please you, James, and others like you? Well, we've talked about this. I I'd like to state that, you know, Greg and, and Justin and I, we've known each other for a number of years and we've had conversations 
similar to this. And you answer the question more often than anything in a quote that you say from, uh, I believe it's Neil Gaiman, which is, be a pleasure to work with. Oh, yeah. I steal from him all the time. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And hit your deadline. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those two. There was, uh, are there's the, three yeah. points, and you can only hit yeah. two of them. It's yeah, like, yeah. be really good, be on time, or be, be a pleasure, a pleasure to, to talk to. And yeah. you can only have two of those. So you can be an asshole as long as you're on time. Yeah. And, and better you than can everyone. miss deadlines, but if you're a pleasure to talk to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I half agree with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So hold on. I'm, I thought the number was going to be much higher. Yeah. The number of rotating artists that you work with. So I'm a little bit shocked by that. So 20 or 30 artists fill out the like bulk of those two publications. And that's amazing to me. How did you, what do you have to do to get in the door? How many do you review? Maybe this is a better question. How many artists have you reviewed Oh, and yeah. turn down and in where, those? And where are the yeah. artists coming from? Are they coming to you or are you seeking them out? It's a combination of both, as a matter of fact. Uh, I get emails. Uh, that's dropped off uh, substantially since there's been more of the, uh, the privacy laws that uh, uh, well, restrict people from yeah. sending you unsolicited emails. Right. But prior to that, I would get a lot of emails. I still get stuff from uh, um, representatives, so agents or agencies that house a, a number of designers. I will get updates from them about artists that are coming in. I will have artists who send me... Um, postcards often, uh, they'll postcard samples of their work and, uh, I'm on mailing lists. So if they update their work, I'll get a new postcard. And if I like what I see, I have a folder at work and I slide it in to be reviewed at a later date because most of the time I have my, my more consistent levels. I also on the occasion get a few cold calls. That's happens very rarely. I'm not against having it happen but i have had people who try to keep me on the phone for like 40 minutes you know and, and it becomes more of wow. a friendly conversation at which point i'm actually less likely to hire them for taking up so much of my time because i'm actually working when, when right. people call me so out. i i do have one more thing uh for statement is that i also find artists every now and then at comic cons dun, oh. dun, dun. yeah we also we often say nice things about comic cons on this show occasionally mm-hmm what about what do you think about that, Justin? Well, we spend a lot of time there, so if we didn't like it, yeah. that would suck. That would suck. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh, one of the artists specifically who uh, I've worked with through that is uh, Ryan Harvey from Honeydale. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, his yeah. work's awesome. He yeah. did uh, he did a stint for one year as the intro artist for Kayak. So we often have a number of uh, uh, information based nuggets of information that get represented in the uh, first you know page four and five of the magazine that will talk specifically about a broader aspect of whatever theme we're dealing with. Mm. And, uh, and so we hired him to do that. And you met That's him awesome. at Comic-Con specifically? Um, I believe, yes. Actually, I was right beside him when I was working a table for you two. Actually. Awesome. I think we need to have the Honeydeal guys. Yeah, those, yeah, we have to have them on. He's very talented. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. And super funny. Um, drama is easy, but comedy is hard. And I, you know, every time I laugh at a single panel illustration that somebody's done, well, you I posted find uh, one of his works the oh, other yeah, day. So the, the one of what was it? it? Was all the wrestlers as various aspects of like the human condition, stress. And yeah, it was like um, these heroes um, that fight against mental illness. It was all of these like giant wrestling-looking figures with their wonderful physiques, but they had cute little shirts on that said things like exercise and um, you know love and. Mm -hmm. 
talking to your family and things like that. Yeah. So that's just a, uh, um, that's a smattering of how to get in, but generally that's what I would say is uh, if I had any advice to people as to how to contact or who to contact as an art director, I mean, my contact is on the Canada's History website. It is in the magazine. Okay, but there's yeah. two things there. You said that we're not supposed to send unsolicited emails anymore, but your contact is open on the site. So is this true of most magazines that there's contact person? Yeah, yeah. I, I, the The thing to remember is that you know, you can contact the society. Uh, I do get mail uh, sent to me, James Gillespie at the society. Like so they'll often send mail? postcards and that stuff comes through. Uh, and uh, I always tell people, you know, go and find a magazine, go to a website, go and just watch the credits of a movie or a TV show because it tells you who the art director is. Right. You yeah. know? So if I'm, I'm not in any magazines right now and I want to get, I want to start doing some more editorial illustration for magazines, should I just like kind of go to like uh, McNally or chapters, go to the magazine section, find all the magazines that speak to me artwork wise, go to that credits page, find all those art directors and collect those contacts and send them portfolio? Absolutely. Yeah. For the night is dark and full of terrors. For the people who have never done it before, you know, the night is long and full of terrors. How do they, what is that portfolio? What should it look like? What, well, short uh, or long? Oh, um, I'd say 10 to 12 pieces. 10 to 12 pieces. Yeah. 10 to 12 pieces. You don't want to see 20 to 30 pieces. It's too much. It's overload. And really, outside of that, you're probably going to give, if you have that many pieces, you've probably built yourself some kind of uh, web-based page, be it Squarespace or whatever. Right. And you will provide your email link, and I can go to your website and view find it anyway. the full gamut of your work. You just have to supply your best stuff. And it has to be geared towards... If, yeah, and, like or sci-fi, cyberpunk probably doesn't have much to do with Canada's history magazine. No, no, but I I always say my superpower, why I ended up as an art director is because I have a great eye for talent, which is why probably the number of artists that I work with is smaller. I, I've had a good run of looking at someone's art and saying, I think that's the perfect style for this. Right. And... Having, and just being lucky to a certain degree that the person's really good to work with. They hit deadlines and, and everything like that. And if it works, I keep them, you know, right. and I try to cycle them through. You know, you don't want the art to get too stagnant unless yeah. it's very specific that you want that. Spe- for instance, like the Honeydale that I wanted that look every single time for a right. cover. I generally will stagger the artists. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I guess that speaks to my sort of flawed perception of you having this huge you know i thought you had hundreds of artists that you worked with because the magazine seems very many and varied with lots of different yeah well there's a bit of of professional cowardice in there that you know sometimes uh you are you know when you know when you've got something consistent and you have a good style and you might see another style but there's the worry right you you don't know that person right and sometimes it's not to say like in that 10 year span i have hired other artists and not had great experiences right you know and that can you makes... tell us about some of those experiences uh certainly uh it... do you have a favorite yes it was um a cover that we did for canada's history probably around 2015 we'll leave the names out to protect yes, the absolutely yeah. omission of names but right. this was a point of and it's not fully the artist's fault it's also a little bit my fault Ooh. you know you got to take Full responsibility for your actions in some of these cases time. and we did a uh, an article on uh vikings 
Uh, it was actually on Norse traders, but in order to sell the magazine, uh, we, we used the word Viking. <laughs> uh, Good buzzword. Absolutely. And so <clears throat> it was about uh, the wool industry falling out on the Norse people because of Britain. And, you know, this is way back in the day, right? right? And so the traders actually made it over to, they found evidence that, that Norse people traveled over into the Arctic of Canada and were like harvesting uh, walrus tusks and stuff like that right. and, and bolstering their economy through like ivory trade, essentially. But in order to do that, we called it Northern Vikings or Arctic Vikings is what it was called. And so I was tasked with the... Um, uh, with the uh, challenge of finding that perfect cover. And I very fortunately have an editor uh, who is a metalhead. And you'd never think <laughs> that the uh, editor of a national history magazine would be involved in, in heavy metal and, and, you know, intense music like that. But he was. And he kind of wanted that post. He wanted to have that almost. People are many and varied, yeah, James. Absolutely. We believe that here on <laughs> he, Super <Pulp> he, <laughs> he wanted to have that sort of, uh, you know, metal album style. So I went out, I found a guy on Behance and, uh, and hired him. Said, hey, can you do this? He said, yeah, I want to work with you. So we go to town. I send him a creative brief, which for those of you who don't know, is I basically will give you dimensions, colors, I will give reference, and I will explain the concept to an artist. And, uh, and that's the starting point for the artist. I send all of this stuff, which is basically we want a Viking uh, it's got to look kind of like Rolo from Vikings, big black beard and furs and a giant axe. And he's standing in the winter scene and he's aggressively just standing there in tents. And uh, we send it off to the guy and he then writes back to me and says, hey, the folder that you sent to me, that's a zip file of everything. I can't open your reference. And uh, so what do we do? And I said, well, you just hold off for the weekend and I will sort this out I'll send you another link on Monday and you can then open that use your reference and get going so I show up to work after the weekend on the Monday and he is artwork ready for me whoa whoa, whoa. you told him okay just wait and instead he just worked without reference instead yes and so instead of having the Rolo character, it's these two Vikings in sort of a spring size, like a spring scene with a ship behind them that is not referenced as a Viking ship. It's almost like a fantasy ship. And there's these giant cliffs in the background. It's actually quite beautifully rendered. Completely wrong, though. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Historically so like, inaccurate. Yeah, yeah, like a great fantasy yeah. Viking, but not good for Kenneth's history. Magazine. Not for the concept that we were pushing. And so at that point, it's also fully colored and fully rendered. Right. So this isn't a rough sketch. This isn't anything. Right. So I assume, hey, this is how this guy works. He obviously is so fast that he can paint this stuff in color. What a what a bonus that is, because now we have the colors, but it's wrong. So I'll just write him back and say, hey, wasn't right. Let's do this right back. Say that's not what we were looking for. Here's what it is. Here's the reference. Please have a look and respond with something appropriate. It comes back this time. But this time, it looks like something out of Game of Thrones. Like, it's not a Viking. The guy's got, like, this weird medieval helmet. He's got this axe over his shoulder, which is fine, because it's supposed to be a Viking axe, but it's not a Viking axe. It's, like, some kind of, like, weird fantasy axe. And he's holding this sword in his hand, pointed down. So he's holding the axe over the shoulder. In the other hand, he's got this sword that's coming down, but it's not a Viking sword. Some other so, European dear listeners, <laughs> one thing you can learn from this is that if you've been sent reference... You should follow that reference. A hundred percent. Particularly if the art director themselves has sent you that reference. Yeah. 
um, don't deign to believe that you know better. No. Have you ever done? You've worked well, this, with art directors this is plenty kind of, of times. This is reminding me of like a lot of times when I'm doing freelance for, for not magazines, but for like just one person who's commissioning me. My go-to is usually to not let them art direct me too much and go ahead. Like, mm-hmm. you know, just basically ha- like pretty much finish mm-hmm. it because what I have envisioned in my head is usually better than what they can try to get out of me. Right. Um, so which, you think you know better. Yeah, well, but I think this is a very different situation. Well, it's um, different in the scope, right? Yes. If a single yeah. client is saying, I have a concept for a commission and you do a little bit of extra work, that's on you. But I'm wondering if this guy came from that same place where he's just learned to, when he gets commissioned, he trusts himself and trusts his own vision, and he knows better, so I'm just going to go ahead and finish finish it. But when it comes to like a history magazine where things like historical accuracy are so important, I think you need to pump the brakes a little bit and make sure... Well, especially when the yeah. art director has done the time to That's, provide you with the research. Yeah. You know, to say, this is the right look and feel. This is the era. Here are the weapons. He was sent what Viking acts look like, what a Viking helmet is look like. Specific instructions, please don't put horns, which he didn't, don't put horns on the helmet because Viking helmets didn't have horns. You can't walk around with horns on their helmet. It looks ridiculous. I think most people, if they're in this position to make art, I think are wise enough to know that if you've been sent instructions, you should follow them. Mm-hmm. But what's a, a misstep that's more common that you see um, that we could help some listener now? I th- think that one of the main points is to be communicative. I, I find that sometimes artists, can, they might wait a little late or they will just send something back and, you know, it's, it's about that idea of allowing the process to being receptive to criticism at an earlier stage in the process. So during oh, the rough stage okay. and whatnot, um, don't get too married to what you're doing, especially again, when you're working with something as specific as history, right. you know, it, it's not the same world as something that's conceptual with sci-fi where there is a little bit more, uh, flexibility, you know. So you have, what's your rough stages look like? You basically don't really have roughs to speak of. You have like a little scribble as a thumbnail. It's been a while since I've had to show my rough work, I guess. Right. Um, but yeah, it's it's more more or less like a, a thumbnail. It's 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 a very rough sketch. But I I also was used to working with clients who didn't understand that part of the process. Like they mm-hmm. didn't understand that a rough was a rough. You know, they're like, okay, well, this is a scribble. We need like, this is so far away from what we want to get out of you. Like, what is this? Now, didn't you do an illustration for, I want to say like Popular Mechanics or something you did? Yes. Uh, Was it? Yeah, it was Popular. No. Yeah, Popular Mechanics. I can't remember. We have it in the, yeah, in in my trophy case. But uh, they hired me based primarily on my style. He found me at a Comic-Con. He liked the shattered style. He's like, I have these pieces of tech. I want you to shatter those. And then they, they formed together to make this. He knew exactly what he wanted to get out of me. So there was no, there was no like questioning what I was going to do. He saw exactly what I could do. And um, we talked about this yesterday. Greg and I did a, a chat at the college. It was the point in my freelance career where people stopped hiring me as just a artist to do a thing they were hiring me for my style you're good at this particular style of shattering stuff that's exactly what we want do that so there wasn't 
I didn't really need. I I did a rough, but given oh, my portfolio, he knew exactly what that. This prompts a question for me to you as an art director. Mm-hmm. Would you rather see if someone is sending, say, those like you said, like twelve or so images? Yeah. Right. Would you rather see twelve that are consistently within a style, or if that artist can hit different notes, would you want to see a few different ways in which they work? I want to see a specific style. A specific you style. want the style. Yeah. yeah. Uh, that's what you're looking for. You know, I uh, it, it's nice to have a jack of all trades, but to tell you the truth, I'm generally a jack of all trades as a designer and art director, and uh, I've got the budget and. I will hire someone to do something specifically, you know, and, and here's to say, go in at the beginning with your style. If you can do something else, once you've built that relationship, you can let the person know that you have some alternative styles, but you want to go in. You're not going to get in, you know, if you've got five different things right. that you can do, So if you're uh, cause I only need one yeah. and you get in for your shattered style, but let's say you really like doing, you know, flowery watercolors or whatever. At a certain point you can send them a link to those and say, is there this is what I, I really also want do to this, do. but yeah. yeah, get in, you know, try and, and, and focus your, your efforts. I think that that's the better way to do it. Um, I can throw something back to you because I would also like to state as an art director, I've actually worked with both of you. Dun, dun, dun. You've done kayak work, Justin. Yeah. And Greg, you've done work for Canada's this history. Long ago. Magazine. I've gotten better. you both have but you were both great when I hired you guys did exactly what we wanted uh you know so that's generally how it it rolls with me but I mean how was it working with me as an art director it's interesting because I knew you as a person Mm -hmm. and as like a full and complete person that I like spending time with outside (laughs) of work and then I saw your work the work you so litigious and organized and like on point and you know managing every moment i was uh it was nice yeah. because they would felt i felt a very strong division of those two sides of our lives which was really great to work with but also um i was working so dear listeners i illustrated um, a series of hauntings for canada's history magazine and they were all set in very specific locations and what i was provided with was a giant folder uh, digital folder of all of those places and tons of reference. So anytime that I went a little off um, target, I would get a very pleasant email from James saying, like, check folder four, image <laughs> three, yeah. for a better understanding of what I'm asking for in yeah. this background. But you didn't go that far off. You know, in that process, uh, and this is something that's really ex- important to explain to people, uh, I'm being represented here like I'm somehow at the pinnacle of... Uh, of Canada's History Society and unquestionable in my decisions. Right. And that's actually not true. I have a editor-in-chief, I have a publisher, and I have a CEO. And all of them review the material that I'm working on. And, and although I have the, uh, you know, I, I suppose I'm blessed enough to be able to work with the artists. Right. Uh, it's not just what I say that goes. Other people have opinions, and those opinions matter. Uh, I have, I can argue, and I can push forward or disregard if I absolutely feel so, but I do take every bit of right, information that I'm given in. Yeah. So, for instance, when we were working on your work, um, there was a couple, I believe it was the, uh, uh, was it the Alexander Keiths? That's uh, right. Oh, man, we did that one. Yeah, with the ghost. So you did the yeah. uh, almost, uh, if I, if for, visually for the, uh, the listeners, if you could think of maybe the ghost king from uh, uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Right. Sort of the half alive, half skeletal transparency kind of treatment. Apparently, this is not how they wanted to render Alexander Keith. No, but we did. It, <laughs> it was, but it was too much. You know, yeah, he would come into much. my office and he'd be yeah. like, this is 
too scary. Gro- is too grotesque. Yeah, too grotesque. Uh, in- the nose hole is too deep, I believe, is one of the, uh, <laughs> yeah. one of the notes I got. And uh, so... Uh, it was those requests, but that was actually a very uh, smooth process. If anything, if there was any stress in that, it was just simply the volume of content that we had to ask you produce in the timeline. It right. wasn't uh, that was when I work with an artist for the first time. It's nice to have one or two images to work on because right. you get the relationship going. As much as we knew each other, our professional relationship did not exist. We at that knew point. each other in a different way after that. Absolutely, <laughs> and so it's a bit of a gamble to roll into somebody and say, "Hey, can you do twelve illustrations for me in uh, right. a matter of weeks?" Um, and they were fun. It was great. Yeah, I got really creeped out in the middle of the night. I was working late on one of those, and all of the reference photos of the Banff Hotel—they were fine. They were just like wonderful ar- architectural drawings. And then I started looking for—I didn't have. The right angle of the reference, it sounds silly, but of the pants of the bellhops. I just wanted <laughs> to get them right. And I was like, you know, emboldened by this idea that I'm working for a history magazine and I'm going to get these pants right, darn it. And they're and not even going to notice that they didn't send that reference. It's, I'm going to get it right. You know what? From even our perspective, it doesn't matter if we notice. It's our readers. Yeah, it's the, readers the end. It's the end game. It's those people. Those people notice because they will so look at So I found an over. archive of old photos of the bellhops and the people working at this hotel and it would just have this little note of how they died (laughs) right so it's like this old black and white photo and how they died or you know and just over and over i'm clicking through and everyone is smiling in that eerie way that they smile in old black and white photos and it just lingered and it just i had to close everything turn it all all the put all the art away turn all the lights on and i think i probably watched a silly episode of some anime just to like but i got <laughs> totally ghosted out in that working on that project so that's your fault i had the creeps come and play with us daddy i had a really good time working with you and and when i find your style you know it's it's got a a look that for me speaks heavily to the paranormal you know right. when i'm going to ghost or at the same idea i find your work because of uh, a lot of what you do if and Granted, I'm pushing for my my editor to do a few more 1920s, 1930s pieces. Yes, mm. exactly. And when that comes along, I know that I know who I'm calling. Right. right. And the same idea, Justin. In in case of our relationship and in, in how we've worked, I hired you, and you did a, uh, a pirate treasure piece. I remember that was fun. That yeah. was really good. Yeah. It was wonderful. And then we did another piece that was uh, uh, it was Royal Canadian Mounted Police for a fiction feature. Right. That you worked on. And if we had to talk about the reference thing, it was one of those. Um, um, where you'd been sent reference, but in your the way that you creatively kind of take things over one time, it was if we wanted to talk about uh, uh, you know sort of an incorrect uh, feature on on some of the artwork was that you'd put these cuffs. Ah, I the love Royal my Canadian cuffs. Yeah, Mount yeah. Belief. And so when we did pirates, you'd do these pirate uh, like 1700s long coats with these big cuffs and it was perfect but when we did the uh the royal canadian mounted police it was about the manifestation like when they started and, and they were being trained at uh uh lower fort gary mm-hmm. so you got lower fort gary in the background you've got all these uh you know you got like the sergeant guy and he's yelling every all these guys sitting on horses kind of looking a little bit uh, uh aloof and and uh uh you know untested but they've all got these puffy cuffs on them. And, and, and I had to write back and I said, well, actually, you know, if you, you need to look at the reference because these coats at these points didn't actually have cuffs. I anymore. totally forgot the about this piece. And then the collars, yeah. you'd give them folded over collars. Yeah, yeah. But they had uh, what would be considered Chinese collars, right? The short little half yeah, collars yeah. that were buttoned up. And, and having to make those point and those changes. 
Yeah. You know, I'm um, constantly telling him to remove puffy sleeves, from <laughs> which is just me. really funny. But I mean, and that, but you were good enough to make those changes, which is great. And, uh, and it's one of those things, but I mean, I would work with either of you guys again. Actually, I have to make a point to, to pencil you guys. in. For I, I also, I, okay. Now that you remind yeah. me of that story, it also, um, I was working at complex games at that time and we were just leading up to the game developers conference in, in San Fran. And so uh, I was doing freelance. I was doing kind of my own. Yeah, yeah, it was like freelancing for you, doing my own stuff. And then we had all these like kind of harsh, like pretty tight deadlines for the game company. And that was like a big nail in the coffin of like, maybe I should quit my job and focus on my own thing. And free- because I felt like I couldn't give your project the time it deserved. And then I had no time for my own. And everything at uh, at Complex Games, my style was was useless, right? Like I, I couldn't. Oh, I see. So, yeah. you know, your voice wasn't being well. Like, you couldn't, right? Like you're you're on a team. Everybody has to have the same voice. Yeah. Whereas, like with freelance and and my own stuff, I could I could use that voice. But from a freelance and and uh, an entrepreneurial point of view, I mean, I think that a lot of people would say the rule of thumb is to say yes to everything. Yeah. When you're doing yeah. that, but I guess that brings up the point to say yes to everything until you don't have to say yes to everything anymore yeah. and be self-aware so, enough. So let me ask you a question. If you're, so let's say you're in that moment where you have a bit of a side mm-hmm. hustle and you're doing a lot of freelance stuff, you know, aside from your job and you just cause it's what you love and you've gotten yourself into trouble with the deadlines that your art director has given you. Let's say like, you know, a position Justin is in, is it better for that person to immediately tell you like, Ooh, you know, there could be a problem with this deadline. Does that raise a rev red flag for you? Or is it better as the project progresses a little bit closer to that deadline to let you know? Oh, as, as soon as possible. I mean, you have to, as a professional and the more that you work, the more you'll be able to assess a situation, right? You know, to be able to really, when the red flags come up to know whether it's truly a, a concern or whether it's just your own insecurity in the moment or whatnot. But if you assess it and you realize it's going to be a problem, communication is everything. Right. With especially when someone's paying you money to do something. Right. You need to call the person up and explain the situation to them because what people need to understand is I have deadlines. I try to pad my deadlines. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I learned a long time ago that to go to actual deadline is always a possibility, oh, yeah, but it is not advisable (laughs) so you know you'd like to finish off a week or in some cases a week and a half before my deadline for the magazine something always goes wrong somewhere along the way and and if something does go wrong it allows them if they contact me to say hey i need three or four more days because this went wrong i can go no problem right but a benevolent dictator yeah absolutely uh there's there's that flexibility but if you if i'm on deadline and things have gone wrong and then something goes wrong for the artist and they leave it till the day of to let me know i mean what can you do you know it's just about uh it's it's relationships respect and uh and communication that's almost 50 percent outside of talent and uh, and being able to hit a deadline those other things go so long they're so far into uh you know, staying on as a, a a person that an art director thinks about working with. Can you with. tell us 
what rates would be? Are you allowed to talk dollars and cents? I don't have my rate book with me here, no. but yes, I can. But in a um, broad sense? Like in the broad sense, I use, uh, I go off the, I'm not going to get the name right because it's so long, but it's the American Artist Guild Guidebook to Pricing and Ethics. I've gone through that before. I yeah. remember looking at that. Yeah, that's available online. You can go onto Amazon. So the American Artist Guild Guide to Pricing and Ethics. Uh, if you go on Amazon, it's available. It's about $45. It's a massive book and it covers off pricing for editorial, uh, illustration, cartooning, animation, medical illustration, design. It has contracts. Okay. Um, though I didn't know that existed. Do you, I, I, we were talking about this a while ago and I, I've been thinking about this. Yeah. When you start out though, is that a great thing to, to be, to be rating your work right off the bat? Like fresh out of yeah, okay, college. Okay, so hold on. Yeah, this is good. I like where you're going here, but yeah. hold on. Let's get him answer the question. So, what's the range? A spot illustration. Okay, yeah, yeah. Canada's History Magazine, which has a just uh, has a, a readership of about how many? Uh, Canada's History Magazine is forty thousand. Forty thousand people read Canada's History Magazine. So, a spot illustration in that, you know, say full color or a couple of colors. Hundred to one hundred fifty dollars. Hundred to one hundred fifty dollars. Uh, a cover. Cover uh, ranges from twelve hundred to and up, depends and on up. the complexity. But right. starting range would be about twelve hundred dollars. Right. So this is um, this is not nothing money if you're got a good relationship with your art director. One of those twenty to thirty artists that's frequent, consistently. Yeah. yeah. And how often do you guys release? Like how? Uh, we're bi-monthly. So bi-monthly. Every, two, every two months. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But not every magazine cover is an illustrated cover. Right. Mm-hmm. We do the illustrated cover. Uh, that is what we'll budget for. Right. You know, and, and generally what I do is I start at that base. So if it's a starting artist, I will start at the base price and we'll go through. And if they do a great job, it's up to negotiation. And, and there's a negotiation to say, hey, I would like, I think that my work is worth this. I've pulled through for you. The deadline is hit. It was a lot of work last time. Uh, you know, there was a lot of revisions involved. So let's make it this price. And then it's up for me to go and I can talk with the people who I work with and we can decide budgetarily whether that's feasible. Okay. Show me. So I cut Justin off on a tangent that he was going on that we've had a conversation of before. When should an artist charge what for their work? Well, I, yeah, the thing I was going to bring up, and I, I think we've all talked about this, is right out of school, you know, people who have been painting in Photoshop for a year and have some design skill, have some illustration skill, they're out in the scary world. They want to start freelancing. They're starting to get people like, oh, I have a kid's book I'd like to do. Oh, I have a logo. Like, can you do this for me? And so they go to the internet and they see, okay, I should be charging $80 an hour for my illustration time. And so somebody without much of a skill set charging $80 an hour rarely goes w- like that. They're not getting work. And then they're upset. Yeah, no and then they're upset. And, and kind of, I guess, like... And the, then there's this culture also online right now, I mean, everywhere online, where you're never supposed to work for free, right? <laughs> As if somehow that every time you got it wrong, you should have been paid for that too, mm-hmm. which, you know, I have issue with. Well, I will say this. Um, an hourly rate is a very difficult uh, thing to work with when you have no experience. Uh, the book that I just talked about, so all, all the numbers that I just gave you guys, I mean, that's all available within that book. Keeping right. in mind that those are American prices, it's from right. the Art, American Artist Guild, so you have to go in, you have to do Canadian dollar conversions, uh, but it's a starting point. Yeah. You know what? 
you can look at $80 an hour and going, but there has to be a proviso. I'm sure they didn't put a little asterisk and say like, you know, after four years experience, you can charge this price. <laughs> yeah, but but they should. You, need, you need a starting point. I mean, otherwise yeah. you're just in a vacuum and you have no idea what to charge. I would say as a starting point, you go, you look, and the way that this book works is it charts things out. It will say like, you know, uh, major magazine, medium-sized magazine, where Canada's history, though 40,000 sounds like a huge number. It's actually quite a small number. We right. fall under a small print circulation as a niche publisher. Right. So I can look at that, and this thing charts out. It says like, you know, this amount of magazines for this kind of publisher, these are the base prices that you would cover for a cover a full page illustration on the interior a half page quarter page one eighth page uh you know and so on and so forth you look at those and you say okay that's the base for a professional you know where i will I exactly range. i can drop this by 15 percent. what right. you have to be very careful though is is that you are moving into the professional realm and although illustrators and designers in manitoba aren't don't fall under any kind of guild uh, or, uh, you know, as, as a prof- they don't, they aren't categorized as a legitimate trade. They are in other provinces, Ontario, for instance. Right. And so what you have to make sure is, is that in dropping your price to account for your inexperience, that you're not undercutting people so drastically that you're making enemies within the industry, you know? And, and so there's, there's a level of maturity, trial and error. Uh, you know, I would always suggest to people, if you're coming out of college and you're really that concerned, find a mentor. Isn't there, though? Yeah, find a mentor. Find people who are doing it already and go and ask them because you don't want to be going in for something that's maybe like, say the the job is uh, the cover for kayak or even a full page illustration and you're getting, you're going to get like $550 for that. This is, you know. Again, that's just a, a, a don't basic quote terms on this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but don't charge three hundred for it. Right. You know, and then undercut all the other artists because number one, uh, it's going to be bad for the artists who are already doing professional work and whatnot. And at the same time, if you charge three hundred and you screw up, uh, you know, nobody's happy in the end. Okay, I'm going to say the unpopular thing though. The artist is not responsible for everybody else and everyone else's fair rate wage. You know, depending on where they live and what it costs them to live there, maybe charging less than people is their superpower. It's their responsibility to understand what the industry industry standard is and not to undercut it dramatically. Right. You know, and that's what these books give you. These books, hundreds of artists are being interviewed and giving their price range. So you can see what a low price range and what a high price range is, right? So if you undercut that dramatically, you're not helping the industry, right? Mm -hmm. And more importantly, it's their responsibility and all artists' responsibility to influence the experience they're going to have as an artist. So if you're charging too little and you end up doing lots of work and that job goes wrong, you're not going to be an artist for very long. Ooh, well said. Turn the tables on me like a good art director should. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Well, I think that that long, uncomfortable silence at the end gives us some time to uh, think about what we have learned today from James Gillespie, the art director of Canada's History Magazine and Kayak, um, formerly known as The Beaver. Um, This has been Super Pulp Science, where we're encouraging you to join the fight and make comics. I agree with that. And I would like to end on a happier note because that felt so final. <laughs> Let's not end there. Not we can't end on that note. No. I sound like such a hard ass and I'm not. I'm a lovely 
cuddly <laughs> teddy bear, everyone. You're a monster. You're a monster. You're a the monstrous art director cuddly of our teddy fearful bear. dreams. That's yes. that's who you are. A teddy bear with an iron fist. 